Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Oh, my goodness gracious, friends. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, remember, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes, at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. Lots of different opinions coming in from the knockdown dragout that I just had with Pirno. I didn't even mean to have it, but it happened. About Patrick Ewing, Joe in Oregon, who I have to email back. He said I was right. You're right on small town and big town figures. Totally right, thank you very much. I had one person say I was wrong. Matt said he totally agreed with me. Everybody or the majority of New York should know who Ewing is. I didn't mean to get into it, and I want to save it. Again, until 1 o'clock Eastern. John Machado will join us. The Athletic in Dallas coming up at 11.40 a.m. Eastern. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Dak Prescott. Not a whole lot of Mark Cuban or anything else. Right now, we welcome in Anthony Pierno again. Hello, Pierno. Hello, Kenny. What would you think of the picture I sent you? Uh, that's some pretty good stuff right there. So you said a field trip to New York City, huh? This is a photo, and it's at my Twitter account, at Ken Carmen. Uh, one of the things um, that really caught my attention right away is oh, I'm like, what? Yes. why are these kids wearing Yankee hats from, Cle- from Cleveland? The, the, this I mean, is this it's the well, year 2000. Okay. You've had great baseball teams throughout the 90s. You, you had a upset. couple playoff battles there with the Yankees, one that you won and one that you lost, uh, you of course, in 98. So, I mean, what's going on with Ye- Yankee Hold on. hats? Hold on. Okay, I'll tell you what. Front runners over here. I wasn't Yankee. Well, by the way, I wasn't wearing a Yankee hat. Are you wearing? I, I can't tell. Like, you have fat head back there. I can't see you, oh, if you're wearing a fat. hat. It's not that fat. It wasn't that fat yet. I was in ninth grade for crying out loud. How much? How much did you weigh back then? Probably. I mean, I was heavy, but I wasn't. I wasn't what I am now. Um, 
All right, let me tell you about this. Now, this was a photo from our school trip to New York City, our class trip in 2000. This is Edison Junior High, right? Now, I'm going to explain the Yankees hats because you don't remember. We're the same age. You don't remember. I don't what remember TV what. Show, what TV show did kids come home and watch on watch after school in the late 90s and early 2000s? What TV show late 90s, early 2000s? Did we watch right after school? Was it baseball? No. Late 90s. Late 90s, early 2000s, did American kids of middle school, junior high age, even high school, come home and watch after school every day? What TV show? You have to tell me this. Carson Daly, Total Request Live. Um, you don't. Re- you didn't watch TRL. I, I, I did. I mean, all okay. Right. All right. So again, let me let me point this out to you. What was a big big band or a big musical act of the late '90s and early 2000s, and was impressionable with children, especially young males, age 11 to 18. I don't know. There were a lot of groups. Little group called Limp Biscuit. Oh, do we or do we Dur- not remember? Dur- there you go. His red Yankees there hat. There you go. There oh, you Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, so you, you guys. See, are- you're from Staten Island. You wanted to be You wanted to be Fred Durst? You're from, I, I didn't want to be Fred Durst. It says it right here, okay? You're from Staten Island. So I'm sure a lot of, a lot of people who are from New York rolled their eyes when they saw Fred Durst. We're from Ohio, man. All right? We're going to the big city. For me, it was the first time in my life. The first time I'm going to go to the Big Apple. I get to see it all. Crank up the Sinatra, except back then it was crank up the Fred Durst. We bought bootleg CDs. I got, you want to know the three CDs I got bootlegged? Yeah. I got I got Wu-Tang Clan. Mm. So, this was, got, so this was your hip-hop phase that you went through. Oh, I mean, yeah, but once you have... Yeah, but if you start to hear, like, if I hear "Cream" by Wu Tang Clan now, I'm still gonna bob my head and start to do, and start to do the the lyrics, aren't I? But you were I'm really into it. I mean, if, you know, like if I hear "Triumph," I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna bomb atomically. Like this is what we're gonna do. I mean, I love the hand gesture. I mean, really gangster here. I know that was yeah, really yeah, gangster. I, I, did, I didn't say I didn't do this for a bunch of respect. I did this on purpose. But you got to understand is that kids from the Midwest are coming to New York for the first time. Can I tell you the other uh, the other two CDs that got bootlegged? Yeah, please. Uh, Jay Z, The Dynasty, which I have that I have that album on my Spotify now. That's how much I love that album. How much I love Jay Z, and uh, R Kelly TP two dot com. Ooh, R Kelly. Which, uh, Ooh. Yeah, no, you can't really. Nah, yeah. You know, can't say that nowadays. Yeah, but uh. That you bought an R. Kelly CD. Yeah. Well, you know those were different times. Yeah, man. I went, you know, I went through my hip hop phase as well. I wore uh, some velour suits. I got to find pictures <laughs> of those because I know they are laying around. So I uh, could, uh, I could find them. It started with Bone Thugs, and it's always stayed with Bone Thugs. But there was but this a, was there right was around a, the same time too. Yeah. I remember that Christmas, Eminem and mm-hmm. uh, DMX and Dr. Dre and. Uh, Method Man and Red Man. So See, yeah, I went through. I way, went through my phase as well. Tom D. Celestino is is listening. Hopefully, I got that right right off the top. Uh, he he said T R L Limp Biscuit. See, you don't know. You were you're too you close. You're I in did. the system in New York. 
We were out in the country. We're out in the Midwest, Pierno. So Limp Biscuit meant, as sad as this is, had a great deal of influence on us at that age. And so, yeah, we wanted to break stuff. We wanted to do it all for the – I don't know if I can finish that sentence the on nookie? the radio. The okay, nookie? we wanted to do it all for the nookie. It was all Fred Durst and backwards hats, and then immediately Eminem came in, made fun of Fred Durst, and we never wanted to hear from him again. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God for Eminem. Did you, uh, were your jeans uh, uh, half off your ass in this? You know? No, no. no I, I, I still never wore the jeans half off my ass because my ass was too big. Isn't me the kid in the blue man. looks like J.J. Watt a little bit? I don't know why. I don't know why. Which that's... kid in the blue looks like J.J. Watt? In the light blue in the front. I don't know why. I, no. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. For some no, reason, it's I don't Jeff know Nicholas. He was a really good baseball player. He has like 18 kids now. Good I was, guy. I, I was gonna good say, do, do, he just, uh, he's, like he's happily married. He and his wife are great. They just have a million children, I believe. Listen, it, it still, I don't. It's, it still doesn't excuse. I mean, come on. I mean, kids from Cleveland wearing Yankee hats. Uh, but listen, you're a sports guy. It doesn't have to make sense. They were, we, we were thirteen. We were twelve years old. We were twelve years old. It doesn't make sense. Uh, so wait, uh, do you talk to any of these kids still? Uh, these through Facebook, yeah. Okay. Through Facebook, I still talk to. Uh, there's Steve Zanger in the background, and Josh Stacy behind him, and Chris Delickney next to him, and I still talk to those guys. Yeah. Good time. What was the weirdest field trip you ever went on in school? Probably that one. That one. Oh, yeah, we did some weird stuff. We're in New York, so we thought, like, anything goes. So we got a – like, we brought pop, right? Like, we brought Surge. And we took the we took the 12-pack box. <laughs> we got a big Sharpie, and we wrote, show your bleeps on so the – So uh, where'd you wind up going? Where, 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 where'd you uh, go they in wouldn't let us. They wouldn't let us, like, out of Manhattan, which sucked. There was one bus that got to go. Like, we, we got real New York tour guides, right? And one guy – so, you but what was the point of coming to the city? Well, you went to like to the see Empire. New York City. I know that's but, what you do. Yeah, uh, so yeah, you just hit up all the tour. big landmarks. Okay. Yeah, which was great because the year before we went to D.C. and it was just nonstop. You got to see this. You got to see that. You got to see this. You got to see that. You got to see Mount Vernon. You got to see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. You have to see this monument and that monument and this monument and that monument. It was totally like they let us kind of hang out a little bit in New York, and that was fun. That was a lot of fun. But we got the sign. I never will forget this. We got the sign. We wrote, show your bleeps, and we pressed it against the bus window as we were circling MSG. and Because they, would, they wouldn't let us in MSG for whatever reason, but we could circle MSG. And we were going around MSG, and some woman saw it and made a couple of very obscene gestures to us. We had a teacher who saw the sign. She was appalled. Again, show your bleeps. This was 2000. These were different times for all of us. Caused a lot of havoc back in the day at the back on the back of the bus. Carl and Prescott, did you watch? Were, did you watch Charmed? Did you have a boy band face? No, I did not have a boy band face. I oh yes, boy come band on. Now. We all no, we I all love did. we all love never the boy did. bands. Nope, I was I was corn. It was Jonathan Davis. It was Tool. Dude, I was a hard ass. Backstreet Boys. No, no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big nope. hard ass. Ken Carmen. Nope. Yeah, could, King yeah, hard ass. Really, yeah, could really tell. Big I was hard here ass. to wreck your bleep Big anytime you ass. came around the neighborhood. Come on, love it. it. Love me, time. love me some Backstreet Boys and Sync. So, so what you got for top five? Uh, top five. Top? So coming to America, of course, is out now. So Ooh, yeah, we're doing the uh, top five. Our top five favorite sequels. I was going to ask. It, my son's five, real quick. I want to watch Coming to America, and I don't really care if my son's there. Is that bad? The original Coming to America. The original Coming to America. You, you're going to watch it uncensored. 
I saw Major League uncensored when I was five years old. And I think I'm normal. There's a lot of people who think I'm actually quite twisted. I saw a lot of things, too, when I was younger that might be questionable. (laughs) But, I mean, I turned out, I think, okay. So Okay. Like I, I like, and I used son, to, you know, and you know, I used to play like violent video games and yeah. everything. When you know, I used if, to play Grand Theft Auto, and I used to love to run the people over. And if Gra- if Axel grows up to be a, if Axel grows up to be a scumbag, it's not going to be because of of coming to America. It might be because no. of me. I might be Absolutely an unfit not. parent, but it's not going to be because he saw coming to America when he was five years old. No right? movies, music okay. videos. No, that, that that's sequels. no excuse. That's no excuse. Man. This is going to be good. Top five. I got I got one in there that's going to get people really upset with me, and I'm not going to do it on purpose. I actually really, nah, truly you, I love mean, the movie. Well, because you said you said bad taste. That's why. Well, you know, we're not all we're not all Roger Ebert like you are, buddy. Yeah, you know, there's got to be a Gene Siskel to a Roger Ebert, even though weight wise, I G- would be the Roger Ebert. But either way, Gene Siskel Pierno, was great too. So we'll talk to you coming up in 20 minutes. Okay. Fantastic stuff. The great Anthony Pierno. Eight five five two one two four CBS. I want everybody to come over to the dark side. I hate replay. I hate replay not just in college basketball that a lot of people are starting to notice because they're watching the conference tournament games because they want to put a few put a few dollars down on teams so they start to watch college basketball when the conference tournament comes around. And people are starting to notice that the final minute of basketball because of replay is becoming interminable. Jay Billis has been on this, and I've been lukewarm on Jay Billis at best for a long time about paying the players and everything, but he's right about that. You go back to last week – it was Iowa, Wisconsin, the final minute of the in regulation. According to Anthony Lima, who was hosting this show for me last week, he timed it. It took eleven minutes. Eleven minutes inside of one minute of regulation basketball because of replay. We talked about this earlier this week. He has come to the dark side. I think that replay's bad for sports. And it's not just a hot take, and thank goodness a man who is as well-written and as good of an author as John Feinstein absolutely agrees. Hit it. I have always had mixed emotions about replay in all sports. Uh, I, you know, when it first came in, it was supposed to correct egregious errors, you know, like in football where somebody clearly had a foot out of bounds and the official missed it, and uh, for example, or when somebody, uh, you know, clear, clearly was had his foot on the on the three point line and the officials missed it, whatever it might be. But now it's it's taken over the games, not just college basketball, which is what I wrote about in the Post uh, this week, but the NFL, baseball. Hockey, it's not as bad. For some reason, maybe it's camera placement. Maybe it's because there aren't as many calls uh, where you need to go to replay. They seem to get it done faster. But it's taken over the games. And what's happened, and part of what's happened, in my opinion, is the officials don't go looking for an egregious error. They go looking for the correct call. Now, to some extent, you say, okay, that's good. But if you make a call on the floor and and you can't – figure out that it was wrong within 60 seconds, 90 seconds, you, you pick your, your, your time period, then the, the call on the floor should stand. Feinstein has joined, maybe he started, but he still joined the dark side. I ask you to come with me. Now, I know it's never going to go away. It's not going to go away. We have sponsorship for these things now. It brings drama to the telecast. 
there are people whose job it is to to go over these. De- Dean, uh, what Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, some of those guys. I know it's not going away, but I have to find a way to reel this thing in because college basketball, of the things they don't need, they don't need the games to go too long. The NFL, of things that the NFL doesn't need, that doesn't need a crisis of confidence within the fan bases. Because I'll tell you what, my life as a fan, I'm willing to say it, my life as a fan of football, your favorite team, my favorite team, doesn't matter. My my life was easier when there was no replay. I knew I was going to get screwed over at some point. I knew the other team was going to get jobbed at some point. I learned to live with it. That's what it was. Chuck Knoll, the late, great Chuck Knoll, was the one who said it best years ago. He called all of this. You will start to look for the wrong things. You will start to look to, instead of correcting egregious error, you will start to look to just get something right. And some people say, that's fine, that's fair, that's what it's supposed to be done. Since when have we cared, honestly, since when have we cared that sports, the ones that we we pay attention to, not our kids and not high school and stuff, but the big-time college sports that we're just fans of that are fantasy or, or professional sports that we just live in our fantasy world for entertainment. Since when the hell do we care if anything's fair? Since when? I believe it in every single season. There will be a point where a call will go your way, take it, and run. You know you put the boots to the other team. You know it's not fair. Shut up. Take it and run. The same thing when it happens to you. You're going to have to take it, we're going to have to deal with it, and we're going to have to move on. Replay has made it much worse and a much less enjoyable experience. When they go under the hood, it takes time. It diverts my attention. There can be drama if I'm really in on the game. If I'm a fan of either one of those teams, that's fine. But the observation of it, it kills it. And half the time, it feels like they don't get it right in the first place. John Feinstein does have an answer for it. I love John Feinstein's answer for it. Here's that. Replay's not going away, but it's not that hard to make it less invasive. And the rules committee should, when they meet in May, they should simply say, okay, here's the deal. If if officials decide to go to the table, they've got 60 seconds, 75 seconds, whatever they decide. To me, the less the better. And if you can't see an angle in that time that shows the call on the floor is wrong, the call on the floor stands. It's not that hard. And I would do the same thing with with, with football and baseball. you got to see an angle within a minute – of course, in baseball that you know, and football, they, they got people in New York looking at it. Um, but if you can't see something quickly to show, oh, the call was wrong. I mean, it's ridiculous when in the NFL when they go when they have to replay any touchdown. You know, the guy's clearly two yards into the end zone. Oh well, we got to go to replay here and wait a minute before the extra point. It's ridiculous. Totally agree. I know it can't go away. Your objective should be to simplify it. Simplify it and streamline it and move it on. Our attention spans are quicker than they've ever been. We listen to as little as we've ever listened to. We paid attention to as little as we've ever paid attention to. It's not going to get any better anytime soon. While there's some argument to fairness, while people claim they want fairness, I don't think they actually care, and I think it makes for a worse product overall. 855-2124-CBS. John Machado going to join us at 1140 a.m. Eastern. Up next, top five sequels. Thanks to Pierno. It's Ken Carmen.
This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Shout out going to join us from the Athletic in Dallas coming up at 11.40 a.m. Eastern. It is time for the top five sequels of all time. Thanks to Anthony Pirino. Does a great job with the top five. Pirino, you ready to roll? Let's go, baby. All right, let's go. So number five for me, going with Spider-Man 2, Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire back in 04. Um, as much as I love the MCU, you could still make an argument that this is the greatest comic book movie ever still. Uh, great mix. You got action, comedy, drama. You still have all the comic book elements in this one. The emotional stakes are higher compared to the original. You can relate to Peter's struggles in this one. He's juggling school and work with his personal and social life. He's dealing with some past demons, the death of Uncle Ben uh, in the original. He's struggling to pay the rent. Mary Jane's getting engaged. Uh, his best friend wants to kill Spider-Man. So, And then also you have the film asking a very powerful question. And that is, what if Spider-Man doesn't want his powers? And we see Peter have to deal with that. The special effects were excellent at the time. Uh, Alfred Molina, who played uh, the villain Doc Ock, is uh, excellent. Uh, the character was uh, very entertaining and complex. So Spider-Man 2, uh, number 5 for me. Number 4, Aliens uh, from 1986. One of the great sequels of all time. You know, most sequels, they fail because they just take the elements from the first movie and just do more of the, of the same in the second one. But Aliens takes some of the recognizable <laughs> elements from the original and does something entirely different with them. Uh, we see a character growth from Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley. Uh, which uh, she was nominated for uh, an Academy Award Sigourney Weaver for a performance. So you have, uh, again, someone that has shows a lot of growth, goes from losing everything, including her daughter. No one believes her about the aliens, and then she ultimately decides to go back and confront the creatures, and she finds an orphan, a newt, and she has to protect her from the alien queen. She really becomes a warrior and has a daughter again. She winds up with a whole new family at the end. So a great arc here. Uh, for Ripley's character, uh, Ripley, the character in the film. So, Aliens, uh, number two, uh, number four for me. It's just, it's a great sequel, just absolute thriller, action packed from the beginning to the end, just bigger and better than the original. Number three for me, Toy Story 2. I'm Mr. Pixar. I love my animation, including all the Pixar films, uh, but this is Pixar uh, at its best. Obviously, kids will like it, but has that emotional aspect for the adults. Woody has to deal with some difficult truths. He's kind of, he's forced to contemplate a future where he doesn't belong to a kid, has to imagine what that future looks like. It's kind of a role reversal from the first one. The first one's about Buzz finding himself coming to grips with not being a real space ranger. And then the second film, uh, Woody learns about his history and has to make some difficult decisions. We're introduced to the character of Jesse, and this is where Pixar really uh, likes to tug at the heartstrings. This is one of the early examples of that, uh, when Jesse recalls being abandoned by her child, and we get Jesse's When Somebody Loved Me song, That one of the most emotional moments, not only in animation I history, I would say... Uh, all, in all film history, just not animation history. Uh, I was fast it, forward. What happened? 
I fast forward through that. Part. You fast forward through yeah. Jesse's yeah. "When Somebody Love Me" song. I ain't interested in that. Uh, well, you have a black card. That's what you have. You have an absolute. That's sad. Black That's too card. sad. I don't want to. I mean, deal with get, it. yeah. I mean, it, it's very Damn deep. Your black it, it's uh, it, it's very deep. It's emotional. So, but the film is also very funny. The storytelling is excellent. There's great action there in the second one. Also, you'll notice a big advancement in terms of the animation from the original. So, Toy Story two at number three at number two. T2, Judgment Day, uh, Terminator 2, one of the best action movies of all time, without a doubt. And uh, and I think what sets this one apart from the original is like the first one I feel like is, is a horror film almost. Uh, the second one has a lot of heart to it, uh, and that's because the relationship with the characters, the relationship between John and the Terminator, which is, is fun to watch. That relationship develop, of course, over the course of the film. You know, the relationship between John and his mother, Sarah, and then, of course, the three of them. Uh, you know, you have John, Sarah, and the Terminator all form a family. So uh, the relationships are a big part of it. And it's cool. We get to see Arnold's Terminator turn into the good guy. Sarah Connor, she's a badass in this one and the second one. Robert Patrick as T-1000. He did a great job in this. The uh, the special effects were groundbreaking back uh, in 1991. Just every aspect of the sequel uh, was a step up from the original. And I don't know about you, but that nuclear explosion scene, that still gives me chills uh, to this day. So great job by uh, James Cameron. And then number one, uh, I mean, uh, if you know me, you know where I'm going with this. Come on. The Godfather Part Two, 11 Academy Award nominations. It won six times, including Best Picture. Picture, first sequel ever to win the Oscar for the uh, best picture. And then, of course, another great performance from Al Pacino. Uh, the key, of course, was the flashback scenes. And we get to see the young Vito Corleone played magnificently by Rob De Niro. And, of course, the flashbacks are great because they just give context to the Corleone family and gives us a better understanding of these characters and the world that they're in. And when we did the top five 70s movies, I talked about my love. Uh, for John Cazale and uh, of course because he was in the Deer Hunter so uh, some people and, say it Cazale is it Cazale or Cazale I, I've been with the I, e. I always say Cazale okay uh, but one of my favorite scenes in the movie and his is the scene with him and Michael in the lake house when Fredo goes off on his younger brother because he felt that he was stepped over uh, and just it's a great monologue and it's beautifully delivered. It just his body language, his voice cracks when he yells, I'm smart. Uh, the visual is amazing. You know, Michael standing up and the Fredo slunk back in that chair. Uh, just a, a great scene. Uh, so The Godfather Part Two, my number one sequel. All right. You ready to hate me? Go at it. Here we go. I should I should start doing these first and you should do them second because yours are way more thorough than mine. Number five, I don't care. Double birds to all you people. Major League Two. I know it's got a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't give a damn. I think there's funny parts of that movie. The the part where Charlie Sheen has to do the right guard ad over and over and over again, I still laugh about that. Yeah, they make Serrano. He's a pacifist and all that stuff. I still like Major League Two. I don't care. All right? It's my personal list. It's my It's what I like, and I like Major League Two. Number four, I fought this. I wanted to put Home Alone 2, but they didn't even make it. Number four, Color of Money, the sequel of The Hustler. That's a good one. Okay. Color of Money, 
anything Paul Newman does, like Paul Newman can come back from the dead and fart in my dinner, and I'd still like Paul Newman. I love Paul Newman. Always have, always will. Uh, that part where Tom Tom Cruise like gets involved in the character and like what what did he do like play pool for like eleven weeks straight to try to be cognizant of playing billiards and being a really good billiard player. Love that movie. That's number four. Number three. This is where you're gonna start really hating me. Number three is Batman Returns. Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito as the Penguin. That's my number three. Number two, we go back-to-back with technically the Batman series, but different franchises, The Dark Knight. I watched that movie again, what, was it last week while I was out? And I still love it. I watched that I love, in uh, yeah, theaters. I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I love it, too, but I, I hate to say it. But I don't know, in my opinion, it's a little bit overrated. Uh, I like really? it. Yeah. I, I like it. Again, it's a good movie. Uh, but again, you know what stands out is the performance of Heath Ledger, exactly. and I, I think his performance makes it in a lot of people's eyes better than because it actually you see, is. Because remember, there were people who were critical of Heath Ledger before that performance, and said like, ah, you know, he's just a good-looking guy, this, that, and the other. And then he turns in that performance, and then he dies sadly, and you're. You're left wondering, you're like, holy God, did we miss on da- the next Daniel Day-Lewis here? Well, I mean, people clearly didn't watch any of his previous movies because I don't know why you would have that thought. When... There was criticism. You remember that. You remember it. You know film way better than I do. There was criticism of him. Uh, that's my number two. Number one, Godfather Part Two, for all the reasons you just said. And also the where it shows the real talent of Francis Ford, Francis Ford Coppola where he didn't even really want to do Part Two, and they – Basically, like, listen, man, you got to do it. It's going to make a lot of money. We got to do this. And it turns in that type of, of movie for all the reasons you said where, gosh, you just find out just how bad Michael Corleone is, is and how just, oh, it goes from a, from a war vet to just awful, just the, the worst embodiment of evil that you can find when you have your own brother killed, which is something I, yeah, I know. John Cazale wanted to get him, or Cazale, sorry. Fredo had, Fredo wanted the top. He wanted the power, but, man, to talk him into that and then to have somebody else kill your brother on a fishing trip. Sorry, spoiler alert. Eh, ugly business. But still, it's my number one. Those are great. You did really good there, Pierno. You always do good with movies. Yeah, I always do good. Fantastic, as always. Coming up in just over an hour, the wonderful – Wonderful, Andy Gresh, WEI Boston. Yeah, I mean that, WEI Boston. He's taking over. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to love it. We're going to talk Boston sports with him and, of course, what Gresh is doing. Up next, John Machado going to join us from the Athletic in Dallas. Who else are we talking about? It's Dak Prescott and whether or not they're going to be in the Super Bowl over the course of that contract. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. One hour from now, Andy Gresh, WEI Boston. And whether or not that this is part of the legacies coming up of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, because there's got to be some cruel, weird irony that on the same day that Tom Brady, after winning a Super Bowl, signs an extension, that Bill Belichick re-signs Cam Newton to a one-year deal. 855-2124-CBS. Also, work or shoot coming up in just over 40 minutes. Let's go to the hotline. We welcome in John Machada. Cowboys reporter for The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at John Machado, who joins us on the show right now. John, answer me. Are the Cowboys going to be in a Super Bowl at any point during this contract of Dak Prescott? 
<laughs> wow, that's that's bold. Um, I guess if I had to, you know, if I was betting my own money on, it, I'd say no. I just, I mean, the odds are against them, and it's not even really about Dak. It's I'm not even. I'm going to take Dak out of the equation and just take the franchise over the last 25 years, not even getting to an NFC Championship game. So um, obviously, when you sign a contract like this as a Cowboys quarterback, being the richest player in the franchise's history, you know, you're going to obviously look immediately back at Roger Staubach. You're going to look back at Troy Aikman and those guys won Super Bowls. And so I know that that's going to be the bar set for, for Dak, but um, I think he can, I think he can uh, get his value out of this contract without having them win a Super Bowl. Uh, just because this is a team that over the last decade has not had a defense that anybody would think would get them to a Super Bowl. So um, if, if they get and build that defense around him as well, uh, then yeah, I think they have the capabilities to. But right now, it's it's you know they're the best team in the NFC East on paper. They should continue to be that way, especially with what they have at the quarterback position. Um, but I don't think that this deal guarantees any type of, of Super Bowl run or anything like that. John Machado joining us on the show, and see that's the reason I asked you the question because I think there's so many people going, well, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. What's the point of paying them? I go. Are you nuts? What's the point of not paying him? I, it, you put this whole team together. Now, you overpaid Zeke Elliott, but I can't take the contract away from him now. You, you've invested a lot in wide receiver. Can't take the contract away from those. What else are you supposed to do? You're supposed to let the quarterback go, then find another one? I didn't understand a lot of sports talk radio throughout this week, not outside of Dallas, like the national stuff outside in other cities where – what did you want him to do? Did you want him to find somebody else? Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback and can get them back to the playoffs. Super Bowls aren't guaranteed. I can't guarantee another one for Tom Brady, let alone Dak Prescott. Yeah, and that's the thing is you just got to look at the market. You know, it's supply and demand and what's out there. This is Finding a franchise quarterback in the NFL, which Dak Prescott clearly is, I personally think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league. I, I, I don't know how his harshest critic could say he's not at worst, you know, somewhere between 10 to 16. Um, and, and to have anybody that's a franchise quarterback, you're going to be paying top dollar for it. That's just the way it is because there's just not enough of them out there. This isn't like the NBA and saying, hey, go get me a scorer, somebody that can just score the ball. Like, okay, you're going to find that in the NBA. There's tons of guys that can do that. You can't find a ton, ton of guys that can play quarterback in the NFL. It's probably going to be hard for you even to find half the teams to have a, a realistic starter. Then the other half are basically every year looking for a new starting quarterback, and they're not getting anywhere close winning a Super Bowl and so that's where they would have been if they wouldn't have signed if they wouldn't have gotten Dak signed then it's sitting there and it's then you've got to consider taking a quarterback this year in the draft uh which they have the 10th overall pick and if, if you're sitting there at 10 all the good ones the top three or four will probably be gone by then so then what do you do then then you're then you're trying to hope for uh, a Matthew Stafford type situation or you're trying to hope for the Tom Brady situation where he reaches free agency or something like that I mean there's hope hope doesn't make a lot of sense there so um and then here's the other side of it for me. Like, so if they don't, if they don't give him that, that contract and he goes, let's say that they were like, we're ready to move on right now. We we're done with this. This We're not even going to franchise take you again. You can go to, you can go to out, out in the open market. It's laughable to think that he wouldn't have gotten more than he got from the Cowboys on the open market. I think he gets 40, 43, maybe even more than that. 43 million per season, even maybe even more than that. If he gets free agency this year, just because of how many teams need a quarterback and what those teams would be willing to pay. This is great stuff from John Machado right now. It's not just because I agree with everything he's saying. He joins us from the Athletic in Dallas. Is there buyer's remorse on Zeke Elliott? Let me take that another step further. Oh, I would, I would think for a little I – mean, yeah, there has to be. I mean, they made him the highest-paid running back in the league, and he hasn't performed like that the last two years. So, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, that's the thing. When you pay a guy um, 
you know, that type of money and making the highest paid at his position like that, the expectations are extremely high. And, and the reason they got that deal done before the DAC one is also because they felt like for DAC to have ultimate success, he was going to need a strong running game. And that's what got the job done in, in DAC's first few years in the league, you know, was having that strong running game. Well, it also didn't help Ezekiel Elliott that this past year, you know, <laughs> three of their top offensive linemen, uh, if not missed the entire season, missed most of the season because of injuries. And so that never, that's never a good thing for a running game. But, uh, but yeah, no, there's got to be a little bit just because, you know, the landscape's there. We all see it. And even at the time when he signed the contract, th- this was a storyline. But, like, it, it, history shows, like, you really shouldn't be paying running backs, you know. And and it just keeps proving itself out over and over again. And, and I think that they're going to – I don't think you're going to see the Cowboys spending big on a running back for a long time because they are a big-time organization. And if something doesn't work out – and, and they go against it, they won't go back that way for a long time. And so it's one of the reasons they don't spend money in free agency because it's, it's burned them, uh, you know, back in the early to, uh, 2010, 2013. So, um, yeah, no, there, there has to be to a certain extent for sure. And it's got to be – and I don't mean to go down a sunk cost fallacy here, but it's so hard because, okay, you take Zeke Elliott, what, third or fourth in that draft. What am I going to do? Am I going to not pay him? Then what's the point of drafting a guy that high? I, I mean, i got to do something there. Uh, going to the wide, or going to the offensive line. You just mentioned Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins. They just restructured their contracts here. What's that going to do for this offense? Can this team get back to? Hey, the NFC East makes it look easy, but can this team make a playoff run again with a healthy Dak Prescott? Then in 2021, with these restructured contracts, being able to add some some zest back to this team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean. <laughs> They were pretty much a dumpster fire from the minute that he went down in week five against the Giants, and they were in the NFC East hunt throughout all the way down to week 16. So, yeah, with, with Dak Prescott back and those offensive linemen back, even if you didn't improve the defense, they should they would be the favorite. The They should be expected to win the NFC East. But I think the defense will be better just because hiring Dan Quinn as defense coordinator is, is – I think that's a great move. The majority of the players on, that, on this roster on defense uh, were drafted – because of what they can do in a 4-3 scheme. And, and that's really the style that, that Dan Quinn's bringing more of what they were doing under Rod Marinelli in, in the previous years. So uh, the switching to Mike Nolan and, and, and doing more 3-4 looks and being more multiple didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then it obviously was a disaster because of the pandemic. It was hard to implement all that stuff. And frankly, they just didn't have the talent to do that. So going back to a 4-3, I think it's going to be huge for them. But then they also, you know, coming off of a bad year like that, you get a top 10 pick and they have – Four picks now in the top 100. I expect at least three of those to be spent on defense. Uh, that, that should go a long way in helping this defense be at least middle of the pack, and that's what you have to be hoping for. They can't. They they, they should never have been as bad as they were last year. I mean, that's one of the worst, if not the worst, defenses in, in Cowboys franchise history. Mm-hmm. That never should happen. The personnel is not great, but it's not that bad. So, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, they are very fortunate to be playing in the worst division in football. It's March, but what the hell? I'm going to ask you: Is Mike McCarthy safe for all of 2021? Yeah, he's safe for all of 2021. It would have okay. to be – I really think, to be honest with you, I, I feel very confident he'll be back for even 2022. The only way he wouldn't be back for 2022 is if this season was just an epic disaster. Like, last year, there's just a lot of it, a lot of things that he can, you know, say, the pandemic, all the injuries they had, you lose your franchise quarterback in week five. But that's 6-10. and 10. This year has to be better than that. And I feel like with every all those pieces back, odds are you're not going to have that many rash injuries, rash of injuries to key spots. So – I would think at least they get to eight and eight on even a year where it's really bad. Um, so if that's the case, I don't think they would get rid of him after that year. So I think he's got at least two years left. But if they don't get to the playoffs, 
in the next two years and not only get to the playoffs, but like make a playoff run, then yeah, they could be looking in another direction because that's the whole thing. Like that's why I knew the Cowboys were never like going into this whole Dak discussion after the season ended. I was very confident they weren't going to be looking to draft the quarterback in the first round because that's just not what Jerry Jones wants to win another Super Bowl. He's 78 years old. That's why he hired Mike McCarthy. And the only other coach they interviewed was Marvin Lewis because they didn't have time for some rebuild. They don't want to do that. So if they never signed Dak, they were going to go. They were going more like the Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford type route, like there to get a veteran. And so because of that, the bar is pretty high for Mike McCarthy, especially now you got Dak back. They're not expected just to make the playoffs. They got to be making playoff runs, and, and that's what he was brought in here for. What startles me though about it, and I don't, I don't mean to go down a weird morbid road because you just hit it, and I only have like a minute left here, John. It scares me because I know that Jerry Jones wants to get one more in. He's 78, but when you have that much power or you have the power over the organization, it's like, man, you're hurting your own cause, it seems. Ugh. It just bothers yeah, no, me. Sir, no, no, I mean, I mean, this is the thing. As long as Jerry Jones is alive, he's going to be calling all the shots with the Cowboys. That's just how it's going to be. And, you know, it, it could be bad for the team. It could be good for the team. It, maybe he goes all in on some stuff that maybe another GM wouldn't do. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just how it's going to be with the Cowboys. It's always going to be different just because they, their owner is also their general manager. And so uh, I expect him to be pushing all the chips in, uh, for the next few years to try to get one more, to get another Super Bowl for himself. And so, but again, it's been 25 years. So it's like, it's not like he hasn't been trying these previous 25 years and it hasn't worked. So it remains to be seen. John, we thank you very much for the time, my friend. All the best. Same to you. Thanks for having me on. John Machado joining us. Cowboys reporter for The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at John Machata, 855-2124-CBS. It's a weird thing you got to bring up about Jerry Jones because, yeah, he's tried. And if you're going to be – because I think he's made a ton of bad decisions that has put his team behind the eight ball, and I also think part of that is done because he knows that Jerry Jones is a wealthy man. He can live till he's 100, but he's 78. And when you get to your 70s, when you get to your late 70s, you know that no matter what, there's a possibility you could be in the twilight. And you want to get that one as your own general manager if you're Jerry Jones. He's a proud guy. And I always will say it could be worse for Cowboys fans. I, I know that there's Cowboys fans that every so often they split. Jerry Jones is a likable owner, but they split on him. Oh, it could always be worse. You could wield that type of power and be Mike Brown in Cincinnati. I'd still rather have Jerry Jones. I'd rather have Jerry Jones than a lot of actual trained general managers. 855-2124-CBS. Up next, speaking of, the worst job in sports. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.